And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys. I want to welcome you to Seacoast Church. Uh, I want to welcome especially all of our campuses that are with us, uh, the venues. If you're joining us on the internet, special shout out to the Asheville campus. Rumor has it that Pastor Greg is lurking in the Asheville area and is up at the Asheville campus. And so we're glad all of you are here uh, with us. You may have noticed that I brought my lovely wife with me. So y'all welcome Lisa. She uh, just gave birth to our third child about a month ago. And so I figured that, you know, she's on maternity leave. She doesn't have much else to do. So maybe she could join me and, uh, and speak with me this weekend. So. Well, we are so, it truly, it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. And we are so excited to welcome our sweet little girl, Eliana Joy Surratt. She was six pounds, six ounces, almost 20 inches long. And of course I have to, you know, dress her in fuss and frills, she'll probably end up being a tomboy or something. Yeah. Well, I told the Long Point campus, so I want to tell the campus as well, Eliana is a Hebrew word. It translates to the Lord has answered our prayer. And we prayed with Miles and Greta Kate, our other two kids, uh, every single day for the baby in mommy's belly. And uh, so we, we named her, the Lord has answered our prayer, Eliana. Truth be told, I did pray uh, the entire pregnancy for a boy, and Lisa prayed for a girl. Um, so that, I think I probably have a little more favor with the Lord. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Stronger prayer life. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, but we, we thought about naming her the Lord has answered my wife's prayer, but it just didn't translate um, into a great little girl name. So, But we're excited. And, and really, I'm excited to have her with me because the, the passage that we're studying this weekend is Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. And uh, w- what Paul talks about there is, is the mind, how we need to change the way that we think. And I've been married to Lisa for 12 years, and I've studied her, and I've studied the way that she thinks. And if I've learned anything, it's that it's not normal. Women don't think normally. Um, just a little more superior. So you can call it whatever you want, but it's just not normal. It's, it's a different perspective. And so we thought it would be fun to kind of go at this together. Any men agree with me that women kind of think a little bit differently? Okay, good. So I'm not alone there. I'm not alone. Um, Come on, we, ladies, you know. We tend to see things from a different perspective, and I think God sort of made us that way. And so as we, as we process this passage together and how it applies to our lives, I wanted to sort of give us a couple of different perspectives for, uh, for what that might look like. And so we're going to jump in. I want to pray for us as we get started, and uh, we'll dig into God's Word. God, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you that your Word is as sharp as a double-edged sword, God, and that you have something for each one of us here today. Lord, Lisa and I acknowledge before our friends that we have nothing uh, to say apart from you. And so we just pray that you'd help us to get out of the way and that you would just use your word and your truth to penetrate our hearts and our lives that we would leave here having been transformed by that. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last weekend, I had a chance to take a young couple who's getting ready to plant a church. They're going to plant in St. Petersburg, Florida through the ark. I had a chance to take them 
on a, a tour of our low country campuses. And it was incredible. We started at nine o'clock uh, at the James Island campus. And uh, if you haven't been to our James Island campus, it's just such a cool vibe. It meets at the Terrace Theater uh, over off of Maybank Highway. And it is just an incredible campus, so cool. I don't know if Joey Svensson, the campus pastor, is all that cool. Uh, he's a Packers fan. And as we get into the NFL, I'm a Bears fan. So we have a little, little friction there, but, but they're, they're awesome. We love the James Island campus. And then we left there and we drove over to the North Charleston Dream Center uh, up, up off of uh, North Red Avenue. And it, North Charleston Dream Center, it was so incredible. The presence of God was so strong in that place. I mean, they do church up at the North Charleston Dream Center. And uh, Pastor Sam Lesky got up and, I mean, he was flowing in the announcements. I thought he may just skip Greg and stick with it and just kind of preach, but he ended up going to, to the video. It was so good. I loved it. I feel like you get a good picture of what heaven might look like at the Dream Center because of the diversity. It's just such an incredible vibe. And so we left there, we drove up to Somerville for the 1045 service. And uh, I know Pastor Phil would agree with me. If, if you want to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ in Somerville, you, you need to not go to the 1045 service because it was slam packed. I mean, standing room only, there's kids everywhere. It's incredible deal. So go to the nine o'clock service and the 1230 service up in Somerville. And Pastor Phil gave me a hearty amen there. Uh, but, but then we joined Lisa over at the West Campus, which was cool. That's right. I had a chance to attend the West Campus. And let me just say, they have a brand new uh, expansion on their facility. And finally, you guys have some room to grow. And I'll just tell you, it was the energy was so great there. It felt to me like what the Clemson-Georgia game is going to feel like when Clemson beats them on opening day. It was just so exciting, so incredible. <laughs> Thank you. There's mixed reviews about that here at the Long Point campus. I don't know how that landed up in Columbia, but um, so, so it was cool. I mean, and I'm always excited to go visit our campuses, but when I go with somebody else who's kind of getting started in ministry, it just brings a different perspective. And I was so proud and so excited about just the love for God that you see uh, among the people at Seacoast. And that was one of the things as we had lunch with this couple uh, that they commented on, man, people seem so excited and passionate about their relationship with God. And, and as we were driving home from lunch, I had this thought, and I believe God kind of dropped a question in my spirit, and it was this. It was, what's all this going to look like 10 years from now? You know, not in the sense of how many campuses are we going to have and, and a new expansion and all that stuff. We're going to talk about that a little bit this fall. I believe God has some cool things for that. I know that the church is going to grow wider. I believe God's going to do that. But, but I, I meant more the, the enthusiasm for God. What's that going to look like for you in 10 years? Are you going to be more excited about what God's doing in your life? Are you going to be more passionate about Jesus 10 years from now than you are today? Or are we going to sort of drift along and kind of slip into a, a mediocrity about our faith? See, that's why we're doing this series called Deeper. It's our heart. It's our desire that we wouldn't just grow wide as a church, but that we would dig deep roots. And so if you're new today, uh, visiting for the first time, we're glad that you're here. This is a great opportunity. We're in a series called Deeper, and we're studying the book of Colossians. And, and, and the book of Colossians talks about how we need to grow deep in our faith. In fact, we have an anchor verse that Lisa's going to read us. It's, it's Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I love how the imagery of just growing deep, growing deep roots, and that's our heart, and that's our goal for this series. In fact, that's our goal for this church. Our vision as a church, if you've never heard us state it before, is we want to see people become fully devoted followers of Christ. Wherever you are on the journey, whether you're like 
the professing atheists that walked into one of our campuses last weekend and left having committed his life to Christ. Uh, and we believe there are many people this weekend that don't know God. You're going to come in your next step in becoming fully devoted followers of Christ is going to be to commit your life to him, to surrender your life to him. And if you're there, we want to see that happen for you. If you've been following God for 10, 15, 20, maybe 30, 40 years, our heart as a church is that we would help you. We would come alongside you so that your passion for God would, would grow rather than wane. We, we would help you become more fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we want for us, and that's what we want for, for you. And so, so that's what we're studying. The first two weeks of the series, Greg talked about really laying a foundation about the gospel. Chapter one, he talks about what it, lives that are transformed by Christ look like. Then last week, I think he touched a nerve. We've heard a lot of feedback about legalism, about how there's this false doctrine that's going to come into the church, and it came in back in the church of Colossae, and it's going to happen today, where people are going to try to tell you that, that it's about what you do. It's about your works. It's about doing the right things. That's how we gain favor with God. And we learned last week that that's not the case, that it's in, in Christ alone that we are saved. It's in Christ alone that we are looked at as righteous and blameless, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, the finished work of Christ. And this weekend, we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 3. And I've been excited about this because Paul sort of turns a corner. He goes from theology and doctrine to practice in Colossians chapter 3. And so I want to show you, I, I kind of got excited about teaching and God's kind of stopped my tracks after the first two verses. And so we're going to just hang out in the first two verses of Colossians, this, Colossians 3 this weekend. So I want to read them to you and we'll dive in. Here's what it's, in fact, let's read this together at all of our campuses. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, I was reading this passage and I kind of breezed right through that, getting into the real nuts and bolts of this, this chapter. And I feel like the Lord just stopped me in my tracks and he said, we need to stop there. Because I think these verses give us a picture of how our lives are changed, how God transforms us once we've received Christ. Notice the first word was since. Since you've received Christ, since you've been made new in Christ, none of the stuff that follows impacts your relationship with Christ. It doesn't impact how God looks at you as, as, as a human. You, he looks at you through the lens of Christ. But since you've been made new, he says, you need to set your heart and your minds on things above. In other words, God transforms us from the inside out. He's after our heart, he's after our affection, and he's after our minds. And so before we get into all the things that we do, we need to look at how he transforms us on the inside. See, you're never gonna act like a follower of Christ until you learn to think like a follower of Christ. And I know we've come in today with many different issues. You know, some of us, you come in and maybe you struggle in, in areas of lust or sexual immorality. Some of us struggle in areas of pride or anger or greed or whatever it is. All of us have issues, right? And God's saying, before you get to like fixing those things and working on those things, we need to look inside. We need to set our minds and our hearts on Christ. And, and I believe what he's showing us is that transformed lives are going to happen from the inside out, not the outside. And if we, if we try to fix the outside before dealing with the inside, at best, we'll have temporary change. And then we'll slip right back into our old habits and our old ways. God wants to transform us from the inside out. 
You know, Josh mentioned that I had a baby about four weeks ago. What he didn't mention was that he has already signed us up for a half marathon. That's right. I want to beat her. That's why I signed up, signed up now. Let's do it. And I don't know about what you, you but come on, moms. You know I'm not thinking about running. What am I thinking about? Sleep. That's all I want to do is sleep. By the way, this message was brought to you uh, by caffeine and sleep deprivation for sure. So. <laughs> With a little touch of the Holy Spirit, we pray. That's right, that's right. <laughs> no, really, we've run a few half marathons before. We really enjoy doing it together, training together, the whole process. But it doesn't happen without us being intentional. We, you can't drift your way into shape. How many of you know that? You know, I can't expect to reach the finish line by hitting the snooze button. I have to set my mind on the goal. I have to set my mind on, on, on reaching that finish line. So I have to set an alarm and I have to be intentional about getting, getting up with my training. In the same way, we can't drift our way into spiritual maturity. Josh asked the question earlier, where are we going to be in 10 years? Are we going to settle for spiritual mediocrity? Am I going to hit the snooze button, get lazy, and not run after all that God has for me? As a church, are we going to push the envelope to see more lives changed and to see him do more than all we can ask or imagine? You see, the key word in that verse for me is set. It's a verb. It requires action. The dictionary defines it as to put in the proper position He's saying that we have to put our mind in the proper condition to stay focused on the goal or the finish line. That's good. That's good. So, so God wants to transform us from the inside out, and he wants to do it by the renewing of our mind, by changing the way that we think and changing the way that we, we feel and, and where our affections are. It's not just in this passage. It's not like this is the only place we pull this from. Romans 12, 2 says, do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By changing the way we act? No, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, in the Old Testament, Solomon said it this way. He said, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God wants to change us. He has changed us. We're, we're new creations. But sometimes the way that we think slips back into the old way. You know, when you become a Christ follower, there's this battle that goes on between the old and the new. And God's saying, we need to set our minds. We need to renew our minds to think in a different way. So what I want to do is we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about three key areas of our lives that we need to renew our mind in, that we need to allow God to transform us by the renewing of our mind. We need to learn to think differently about a few different areas. The first one is this. When I think differently about myself, I can live with confidence. When I think differently about myself, I can live with confidence. See, we need to learn to see ourselves in the same way that God sees us. How does God see us? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. See, the Bible says that when we become saved, we literally become new creations. We, we ought to look at ourselves in a new way. We ought to look at ourselves in the way that God looks at us. In fact, I've got a picture that I want to show you, and this is a cheesy picture. I understand that. <laughs> the, this is a picture that, 
You know, when you go to the dentist's office and you lay back in the chair, you're going to see this picture on the ceiling. And it's like, you can do it, boy. you know, while he's sledgehammering your teeth. It's that kind of a picture. But in spite of its cheesiness, I want you to see that that's, that's the way that God sees us. See, we need, to, we need to renew our mind. We need to change the way that we think so that when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we don't see that meek little satanic cat, uh, but, but we see... Sorry, that's just a I preference. I try to get him here. to not do that. You know, can't take We need to learn much. to see that lion, that bold new creation. When God sees us, he sees, he sees a fighter. He sees someone that's new. He sees someone that's righteous. He sees leadership. He sees a new creation. And we need to renew our minds. We need to transform the way that we think about this. I want to talk through uh, this in a way that we've done before, and it's, it's, it's our identity triangle. We've talked about this some at Seco, so I want to show you on the board uh, an illustration that kind of helps us about the way that we need to look at our identity. So in this identity triangle, at the top of it is the Father. And then from the Father, we get our identity. And then out of our identity comes obedience. So if that, if that makes sense to you, we get our identity from the Father. And then once we're secure in that, and that's how do we get that? That's through Jesus Christ, right? What the finished work of Christ on the cross is, is how the Father looks at us. So when he sees us, he doesn't see the sin that we committed years ago or the sin that we committed on our way to church today. He looks at us and he sees a dearly beloved son or daughter of his. He loves you. He believes in you. He, he, he he's adores you. He's pursued you while you were still sinners. Before you had anything to bring to the table, he, he died for us. That's where we get our identity. We need to walk securely in that. And out of that, once we're there, we learn to live as new creations, to, to live in obedience, to accomplish our purpose for him. Obedience isn't a bad thing. But where we get messed up, we get messed up in two ways on this, this triangle. The first one is this. We, we put the wrong thing at the top of the triangle. You know, many of us, We'll walk through life and, and we've got success at the top of that triangle. And we get our identity from whether or not we're successful in our jobs, in our workplaces, in our families, and, and that's where we get it from. Some of us put marriage there and we get our identity out of whether or not our marriage is going well or not. And here's the problem. You're gonna have good days in your marriage and you're gonna have bad days in your marriage. And so if your identity is rooted in how your marriage is, then there are gonna be days that you're confident and secure in yourself and you're gonna have days that you, you, you struggle with that. You, you walk in insecurity. Some of us, it's others. In fact, I think a lot of us, it's others. We find our identity in, in how many Facebook likes we get on our status updates. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you post a cheesy picture like that one, like that Hallmark card, and you get a few likes and all of a sudden you're like posting these things all the time. I'm like, stop doing that. You know, you're gonna get unfriended. You know, we start kind of acting in the way that we think people are gonna respond favorably to. And we get our identity in what other people think about us. Some of us, we get our identity in what our earthly father thinks about us. And for some of us, that's a never ending journey of striving, of trying, of hoping. And, 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 and whether or not you, you're loved or secure in that is dependent wholly on another person. So we make that mistake. We can't get our identity from anything other than Father. So for some of us today, you've, you've come in here and what's at the top of your identity triangle? Where are you getting your sense of identity? Is it in the finished work of Jesus? Can you walk confidently 
regardless of whether you've sinned recently or not. I mean, obviously, hopefully as we grow in Christ, we'll sin less, but I think the true mark of maturity as a Christ follower is that when we do fall, we get right back up. We run back towards God, not run away from him. You guys remember Adam and Eve, they ran away. We need to learn to run to him. He loves us, it doesn't change the way that he feels about us. A second mistake that we make in the identity triangle is we start down here and we think that our, our obedience is going to cause our, our identity. So we get our identity out of being obedient and we think that's what draws us close to the Father. And again, obedience is a good thing, but obedience is not what causes God to love you. God loves you and believes in you regardless of how you're, you're doing, how you're acting. And, and so when we allow obedience to become the gateway to our identity to the Father, what does that result in? Legalism. We talked about that last week. That's why it struck such a huge nerve. I feel like we could talk about it every week because some of us grew up in a, a church environment and a church culture that was rooted in legalism. It was all about how you measured up against the person next to you. We need to learn to get our identity from the Father. God wants to transform us from the inside out and he wants to start with the way that we think. We need to set our minds on things above and we need to learn to see ourselves in the same way that the Father sees us. So we gotta learn to think differently about ourselves, the renewing of our mind. And when we do that, we can walk in confidence. You know, my hope and dream for myself, for, for Lisa, for our family, and certainly for our church, is that there'd be no such thing as a, an insecure follower of Christ. Because we think differently. When we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see what God sees. We've renewed our mind. So that's the first, uh, first thing that we need to learn to think differently about. The second one is this. When I think differently about my purpose, I can live with focus. You know, I'll never forget one of my least shining moments as a mom. We were at a big church picnic and everyone was with their families. They were enjoying swimming and uh, just eating some good food. And um, Miles had just turned two and our little girl, uh, Greta Kate, was a newborn. And how many of you would agree as moms, you know, you just want to look like you've somewhat got it together, you know, like those God-given maternal instincts just kick in and you're suddenly, you know, this Proverbs 31, uh, you know, rock star mom. And, you know, her children will rise and, and praise her and call her blessed. Well, this particular day, my children were rising and calling me something, but it was not blessed. I was sleep deprived, clearly lacking patience. Um, as I said, Miles was two, and the textbook, uh, terrible too. Um, he's all boy, and not the cautious, easygoing uh, type, but the wild, strong-willed, invincible type. And Josh had dropped us off at the front because uh, the parking was quite some ways away. And uh, just as I'm unpacking everybody, we're, we're saying hello to everyone. Miles makes a beeline straight to the pool. And just, you know, I, I'm, of course, juggling half the house. You know, you have the diaper bag, the purse, the, the, the baby, the, the car seat in the stroller. And, you know, so I've got all of this gear. And I see him just take off towards the pool. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So I start you know, running towards him and I, I just catch him right before he hits the, you know, the water. And, you know, so I'm like, buddy, you can't do that. We've got to get your, get, got to get your swimmies on. Um, and so he's standing there, the baby starts crying. And so I'm, you know, I shift my focus for just a moment. 
And that little dude just took off and went straight to the lake. And so I'm like, ah! So I'm running over, trying to, you know, get it together, and I know that I'm not going to make it to the lake before he is fully immersed. And so I am just screaming at the top of my lungs, Miles! <laughs> and so just as I start to scream, I feel like all conversations stop, the music stops, and all eyes are right here on me. And I'm like, oh gosh. So, you know, it wasn't pretty, I'll just say that. And suddenly I felt like I lived in this glass house and I didn't like it. I struggled with the challenge of, you know, being a pastor's wife and everybody knowing, knowing us and just feeling like I'm not holding it together. <laughs> and so, you know, I just struggled with my own insecurities as a mom. I can remember walking up and it was like five syllables that she took to say Miles's name. I mean, and her face was contorted. It was like, Miles. And I'm like, do, do we need to go? Like, are we, are we all right here? Are you, you gonna be okay? And you know, cause I knew that that was a challenge for her and, and me, you know, you kind of always thinking about what other people think and you wanna sort of feel like you've got it together. And so I thought what we would do today uh, to kind of, for our sake, not yours, uh, is just let you know we don't have it all together. In fact, we may bust out in a fight during this message because <laughs> it happens from time to time. Uh, and, and chances are in the four or five-year-old, six-year-old, how old's mile six? Just turn Chances six. are he might hit your kid in there. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're working on it. Never gonna we're trying. We're believing God for his salvation. But uh, we're, we're just on the journey like the rest of you. And so uh, when you see us in a restaurant and you know, we're beating our children, I'm just kidding, I hope we're not. <laughs> That's just the reality. You know, we're, we're struggling and on the journey as well and loving it. But, but I think that was a significant time because it sort of highlighted the insecurities, but it wasn't very long after that that our women's ministry called and asked you to come speak at a women's retreat. And I thought, well, you must not have been at the retreat, <laughs> seen my tantrum. Honestly, I was really not excited to get this call. I struggled big time with anxiety and fear of public speaking in college and in grad school. And so I just thought, oh, sure, God, let's just drag out another one of my insecurities for the world to see. So, <clears throat> but you know, the hard part was is that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had called me to do that. I knew that I was supposed to do it. So heels in the sand, I said yes. And they gave me the topic of Esther. And what I realized in hindsight was that God had asked me to speak not because I'm a great speaker or because I had something new or profound to say, uh, but because he just wanted my obedience. You know, when you think about Queen Esther, you think of this strong, fearless heroine who saved the Jews. But unless you study the story, you might miss her journey. See, she didn't ask to be queen. In fact, she had other plans for her life. What she realized was that God had given her an opportunity to be used by him to do something miraculous, to save an entire race of people. How many of you know that she had no idea what he was gonna do when he asked her to be obedient? So his will was going to be done. She just had a choice of whether or not she was gonna choose to be a part of it. Can you imagine if she had missed out on that? He wanted her obedience. She didn't know what the outcome would be, but had to trust that he was gonna show up. See, God wanted my obedience, not my opinion. And when he asks us to obey, 
he's got a reason. Trust that he's gonna act on your behalf despite of your weakness. Second Corinthians says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, comfortable people don't change the world. Once I shifted my focus from woe is me, I live in a glass house, all this, you know, the sacrifices that you make, uh, you know, to God, I just want all that you have for me. Use me. Use my gifts and talents. Use my flaws and my weakness. I wanted Lisa to share that because it was as her husband, I can just tell you, it was so cool to see sort of this transformation take place when her mind began to think differently about her purpose. Because for a season, and this is just the nature of the beast, we would constantly have these tensions about uh, our schedule and about trying to find balance. And, and we, don't, we don't wanna be unhealthy. You know, don't get me wrong. I think you can sacrifice a family for the sake of ministry, and that's not what God wants for us. But we do wanna be effective and we wanna be used. And so it was so cool to see her, her, her just countenance and, and mindset shift from seeking for this elusive balance in our lives to seeking to live healthy lives, but wanting to make a difference. And going, I don't care what it takes, we're, we're all in for this. And it wasn't very long after uh, she spoke at that retreat, which I'd snuck in, by the way, uh, to this women's retreat, it was awesome. She did a great job. Um, but then she meets Christine Kane, who uh, founded an organization called the A21 Campaign. And all of a sudden, Lisa just came alive in her purpose. And she, she, she uh, stepped in and, and kind of this journey began to unfold with the A21 Campaign. Well, never in my life did I imagine that I would, uh, you know, I have a degree and I'm practice medicine as a PA and I never, never thought that I would be fighting human trafficking, that's for sure. A21 stands for abolishing injustice in the 21st century in the form of modern day slavery and human trafficking. And you know, we just celebrated our one year anniversary in June of opening our office right here in Charleston. And more recently and more importantly, we celebrated uh, the one year anniversary of our first survivor uh, we were able to assist. And she is just doing phenomenal. I've just been blown away. There's nothing more rewarding uh, than, than to work so hard and to actually just see a life changed. You know, she was brought out of just a horrible situation and, and really seeing God restore her life. You know, you just can't imagine that this actually, this crime happens right here in our backyard. You know, if you saw the news about two weeks ago, 105 children were rescued um, in the FBI's Operation Cross Country, some of which were right here in the state of South Carolina. You know, while assisting victims working alongside of FBI and ICE um, is one of the most important things that we do. We feel God has given us a vision that it stretches far beyond that. We wanna create a toolkit where we can actually equip people uh, all over the country to be able to know how they can actually jump in and, and stand up and say, you know what, not on our watch. You know, there's 27 million slaves in the world today. That's more than ever in the history of humanity. But I just wanna remind you, that can be so overwhelming and so daunting, but there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world. And I think if we stand up and we say, you know what, God, we will not stand for this. We will not put up with it. We can do something about it. You know, I wish I had 
uh, time to share all of the amazing God, only God moments, things that there is no way that I, I could have done on my own. It is absolutely a God thing. He is on the move, and we literally are just running to try to keep up. But I would love to invite you guys, if you are more interested in getting involved, if you're more interested in just hearing about what's going on, we have two big events coming up. Uh, one is called Be There Freedom. And if you remember, Beth Redman spoke at First Wednesday a few months ago, and she's going to be here. For, she'll be our keynote speaker. Uh, and we also have that September 19th uh, at Charlestown Landing and Founders Hall, and you can check out the a21campaign.org to, to get um, more information. I heard a rumor that, that first survivor might be there telling her story. You're probably not supposed well, to. Oh, we'll maybe see. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. But we'll um, see. We'll sorry. see. So we also have the key conference, and the key conference is uh, phenomenal. We have continuing education uh, credits for medical, for legal, uh, law enforcement, um, and victim service providers, and it is essentially we are bringing in experts from all over the country to help it's a comprehensive approach to human trafficking um, in the areas where you, potentially you may come across a victim. So it's a great opportunity, and that's October 18th, uh, which is also International Anti-Slavery Day. Cool. So what, what about you? Are you thinking differently about your purpose? Yeah, I wanted you to kind of see Lisa's testimony and her transformation kind of from being so focused on circumstances that, that potentially was, was going to miss what God wanted for her. And I just would ask you to consider that. Are you, are you thinking differently? You know, you've been saved. Maybe you've, you've committed your life to Christ, but have you just kind of settled in there? Are you, are you still about the same things you were about in the old? Or are you thinking differently about your purpose? Because when we do, we can live laser focused lives. You know, I think about the many, many people. Uh, I saw Michael and Susan Antonelli here today, and Michael's a principal uh, at an elementary school here, yet every weekend he serves for hours in, into the lives of elementary students in church. And I think it's because he's learned to think differently about his purpose. It's not just about my day job. It's about being about what God is about. It's about serving in the kingdom. You know, I think about the men and women at all of our campuses, hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that serve uh, as greeters or ushers or in the parking lot on dream teams, in the tech booth, whatever it is, that have learned to think differently about our purpose. We've learned that it's not about us. There's plenty of excuses for why we don't get involved or why we wouldn't get it, be a part of what God's doing. And maybe God has called you to start something big, a nonprofit similar to the A21 campaign, or maybe he's just called you to come under somebody else's vision and get involved. And I would just encourage you, think differently. We gotta learn to think differently about our purpose. Let's live lives of focus. I think there's so much untapped potential within the church body because we don't think the same way that God thinks about our purpose and about our lives. The last thing that we need to learn to think differently about, if God's gonna transform us from the inside out, we need to learn to think differently about our future. When we do that, we can live with a sense of urgency. We need to learn to think differently about our future. So set your mind on heaven. I want you to think, I want you to have your mind set on heaven. You know, Lisa and I are building a house. Uh, we've lived in a duplex for about three years, a, 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 kind of a, community living sort of environment. It's been awesome. We've seen God do some cool things, but we haven't had a dishwasher for three years. So we're oh, excited. come on. You've had a dishwasher. Her name is Lisa. <laughs> we had a fine looking dishwasher for the last three years. 
But what I'm saying is it's going to be nice to have one of those things you can just put your dishes in. And, you know, so we're excited about it. We're looking forward to this new season. And, and, and so I, I kind of have this habit of going by the house pretty regularly. And so uh, the house has to be built up a little bit because the garage will be under it because of the flood zone. And I, I walked over to the house about uh, three or four weeks ago. And they had just started framing it and putting the lumber on the, the piers. And I noticed that one of the blocks on the piers had broken. And, and there was like maybe a third of the block had broken off. And so I start freaking out. I call Lisa. I'm like, the house is falling apart. We got, you know, what's, what's going on? And I call my builder and he meets me over there. And, and we look at it and he's like, Josh, ch- chill out. That's not going to bother. You know, structurally we're good. It's just stuff like this happens. And I feel like in hindsight, as I was kind of leaving, the Lord wanted me to see that because he wanted to remind me. This house that you're excited about, that's a blessing, it's already starting to fade away. It's already starting to decay. And, 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 and I feel like he was saying, you need to be careful that you don't allow this to become an idol, that you don't allow this to take a place that it shouldn't take in your life. It's a blessing. It's going to be a home where you can raise a family and hopefully have guests in and, and live your life for Christ. But it's fading away. It's, it's going to be gone sooner than we'd like to think. You know, it made me think of this verse in Philippians 3, 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. You know, let's don't ever forget when Paul says, set your mind on things above, set your mind on heaven. Let's don't ever forget that our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in another place. And so Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. You know, we need to learn to set our minds on heaven. And you know, I think there was a day where the church, maybe the pendulum swung too far in that direction. You know, all we did was sing about the great by and by and we're gonna just hold on tight until Jesus comes back and, and we kind of lose our effectiveness here on earth. But I'm afraid that that pendulum might swing too far the other way. Yes, we need to be about bringing God's kingdom and that, that heaven that we're gonna experience here on earth, that's important. But let's not ever get out of the habit of remembering that this isn't all that there is. Our citizenship is in another place. You know, there are so many people, even just in this last year, I think about the families, uh, both at this campus and at the campuses uh, in Columbia and uh, Asheville, Greenville, where we've dealt with tragedy. We've dealt with loss. And it's in those moments that, that when we can learn to set our minds on heaven, that God wants to bring comfort and remind us that, This isn't all that there is. That if we're in Christ, we're gonna live with God in heaven forever. We need to learn to live in that way, set our minds on things above. And when we do that, when we remember that our future is secure in heaven, that it brings about a sense of urgency. Yeah, I want all of us as Seacoasters to live with that sense of urgency. We're doing a series in September where it's gonna be so cool. We're calling it, There's No Place Like Home. And our goal, our vision for this, we're gonna talk about the prodigal son. Our vision for this is that we would all engage in this and we would, we would bring people with us by the carload that don't know Christ because we're gonna do our very best at all of our campuses to present the gospel, the prodigal son in a way that, that's gonna transform hearts. We're praying that God's gonna show up and it's gonna be powerful. And if we would live with a sense of urgency, if we would remember that this isn't just a nice thing that we do about kind of changing the way we think about ourselves and our purpose, but, but that our purpose is wrapped up in eternity. God's planted eternity in our hearts and that this is life and death, this is heaven and hell for some people, that we would live with that urgency and that we would be intentional, we would invite people to be a part of that and then see their lives transformed like it happens every single weekend at Seacoast. 
So Seiko, it's the word for today. It's God wants to transform us from the inside out. He, he wants us to live lives, not, not just behavior modification, external change, but that he wants to transform us from the inside out. What if we were a church who set our minds on things above, who daily thought about Christ, and we saw, when we looked in the mirror, we saw ourselves in the same way that God sees us as leaders, as lions, as bold men and women who are gonna take ground for the kingdom. We knew that our purpose wasn't just to kind of waddle in our circumstances, but it was to rise above them and to be about transforming lives for the kingdom. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for our family. And that's my prayer for you. Are you running hard after all that God has? Are you living in the more than we can ask or imagine to be used by him for such a time as this? Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that uh, every, every day we can get our head and our minds into your word. We can set our minds on things above and that you have powerful, life-changing stuff for us every single day. And God, I just pray for each one of us that are here today that we would kind of transition right now into a moment of reflection. Lord, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts. For some of us, we, we're not seeing ourselves in the same way that you do. God, our identity is wrapped up in other people. It's wrapped up in, Lord, success or relationships or marriage, whatever it is, but it's not wrapped up in you. And I just pray, God, that you would help, that today would be a defining moment, that we would shift our thinking, that we would see ourselves in the way that you see us. Lord, for some of us, we've committed our lives to you, but God, we, we aren't living in your purposes. Lord, we're still consumed with the same things we were consumed with before. Lord, help us to see that you wanna use us in a powerful way. Lord, that when you see us, you see leaders in your kingdom. You see men and women who are gonna transform our, our, our families, our churches, our communities, our, our cities. God, I pray that you'd help us to think about heaven. Lord, that we would know that we are citizens of heaven. The Lord, that some of us are dealing with trials. Maybe we're dealing with loss. Maybe we're dealing with health situations. That you would help us raise our eyes, lift up our eyes to you. That you would transform us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.